I went to the University of North Dakota and I found like, and I did all the good Christian things like when I got to school, like I got involved with Campus Crusade and I had like a Bible study in my dorm and uh, all of those kinds of things. And I quickly found that the, the Campus Crusade friends weren't very kind to me. Uh, and but my friends who would buy me beer were super kind to me and so I went with them (laughs) well that was Allie Horman she is a comedian a mom a pastor a writer and we sat down in my little recording studio and had a great conversation about all those things Uh, you probably haven't heard of Allie Uh, she hasn't done a TED talk or written a book that's been published, but she is an amazing, strong woman who has a lot to say. And I was, I could have talked to her for three hours. It was so fun. So enjoy Allie Horman and follow her on Twitter and go see her at one of her live comedy shows that's coming up. Details are all on the show notes. Enjoy. Allie, hi. Hi. I mean, so here's here's the real story. Um, we don't know each other, really. It's we know true. of each other. Yes. And as much as we could, we tried to limit our conversation before we turned this recording on because mm-hmm. I just really am excited, actually, to, to talk and get to know you and all the things. So my first question might be hard to answer. I don't know. But like, how do you introduce yourself? Like when you're out and about, maybe you're out with Noah or with yourself or Mm -hmm. girlfriends or whatever, you're at a party and you meet someone and you know, that dumb question, what do you do or Mm -hmm. what do you, but like, how do you introduce yourself? How do you identify your, cause you do so many different things. I do. Um, Generally my first introduction is that I'm a wedding photographer. Yeah. Um, mainly because it's my main source of income and because I'm always looking for clients. Um, and uh, It's Allie Horman, <laughs> two N's, dot com. Dot com. Now booking 2020 and 2021. Oh, you should um, say, oh, I'm totally booked up for 2020. Oh, well, anyway. No, I'm not going to say that, Steve. <laughs> okay, okay um, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to interrupt you all day, so I'm going to stop great. right now. Here you go. Um, and so that's generally my like main stay and then you know people ask you know are you married do you have kids yes i'm married noah is my husband we have three boys soren is seven jude is five and axel is two and then everyone gets really wide-eyed like yeah what did it's like uh, people have been having children for a while so it's i know but i do think there is a a certain fraternity uh did i just spit on your hand no, I'm moving my fingers because the cup is warm and my hand I, is cold. Because I thought I saw... Anyway. No. Uh, well, I if think, you did, that's gross. <laughs> it, it, well, your, your, your eye went right to... Nope. Anyway, right to where I saw that the spit flew. No, so it's pretty fun. I legitimately just wanted to make sure I didn't dump it off the edge okay. of the couch. No, I, I think there is a fraternity or something among parents with three boys, especially. Yes. There probably is for, you know, three girls, four girls, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I'm in the three boy club and I and I know it's crazy. Mm-hmm. It, it, it is. is nuts. Yeah. Yep. Um, so then, you know, people are like, oh, wow. And then inevitably you'll find people who will go, well, since you work for yourself, that must be nice to be at home because you must get so much done. 
And I, I just, do love that. Oh, they've never met children. Those people have yeah. never mm-hmm. met children. Mm-hmm. Um, well, anything that starts with must be nice. I just want to nice. shoot someone. <laughs> like, n- never say that to me. Yeah, no. Must be nice. It must be nice. Um, yeah, I love paying a 30% employer tax rate. It's the best. <laughs> <laughs> must be nice. Okay, so photographer. 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 Do you do video too nope. or just stills? Okay. Um, video is just a different animal that I it don't. Is. I don't particularly love yeah um uh and i've been a photographer for 11 years i learned out of spite um because my in-laws got us a very nice camera nice as a wedding present and my husband was the photographer ahead of time but his camera had broken and i didn't know how to use that and we were sitting in the fargo north dakota airport the morning after our wedding oh my gosh and he is reading the manual to the camera and not paying attention to me (laughs) and i was like you know we just got married right like and i'm so pretty just stay here like 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 and he's just like look at all these features i was like that is awesome yeah (laughs) so uh i kind of learned mainly to be like well i can do it too and then i fell in love with it and then i was like okay this is mine now this is my thing so, um, and, um, and then, you know, when it comes around to it, then people ask about Noah and tell them that he's a pastor and, um, but I'm sort of a pastor as well. Mm-hmm. Like I'm a preacher. Like I preach. Okay. So this, you do preach. Yep. I preach this yep. last Sunday. I preach probably once every six weeks. Got it. Uh, so you preach a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love it. And, um, I got, I tell people I got a by proxy seminary education by editing all of his papers Yes. and, um, having professors over for drinks. So that was, that was how I got my seminary education. Um, and reading a lot of NT Wright. Okay. Yeah. Is he kind of one of your go-tos? Uh, for like theological exegesis. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. I didn't know actually that you were that involved. I, I didn't know mm-hmm. like whether, you know, because um, different spouses, whether yep. it be husbands or wives of pastors, can be pretty involved, very involved, can be involved by obligation, mm-hmm. cannot be involved. So you sound like you're uh, involved by choice and yep. you like it. And yeah. But it's, but do you do just stuff you like to do, like preaching? and Yep. And I do, like, I'll do I, you know, pastoral care and counseling. I, I mean, our church is so small. Um, our church is Last City Church in St. Paul. And it's so small that it's really a group of extraordinary friends. Like our community is really, really close. Uh, but I've really made it a point to make people feel like you can come over to my house anytime. Even like right now, our entire living room is torn apart. Uh, because I didn't want my kids watching TV all weekend. So I pushed all the stuff aside and gave them masking tape and they made a city on the floor. Yes. And and so it's all different manners of blocks and Legos and everything. And I wouldn't care at all if people came over and saw my yeah. house in chaos because like I grew up in that church where people, you don't come over, don't come over. Like, or like watching the panic um, in people's faces at the thought of somebody just stopping by. Okay. 
of like, oh, but my house is not going to be so perfect. And I watched that anxiety just really kill community. Okay. And yeah. so I just was like, well, I don't want to be that. So I'm not. And, but, um, I love, I love doing pastoral care and counseling. I love, um, preaching. And I, I think it's so funny cause I love the church and yet I yeah. don't always love the church. Well, can't, let's, let's just go right there. Yeah. We'll go lots of places. I have lots Got of lots things of I want to talk to you about, but you know, instead of asking you what's your spiritual background, blah, 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 really what's your current, um, you know, understanding of God, faith, church, mm -hmm. Christianity, mm -hmm. sort of where, what, you know, yeah, just yeah. as honest as you can, where, where are you? Oh, um, I'm, I'm in the middle of a story that I, I don't have the, don't have the arc for. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think that that's hard for me, um, to be in a space where I am learning so much more about, um, myself and who God is and who God is in myself mm -hmm. that, uh, all of a sudden it's a different world because there was a very, um, I grew up in a very old covenant church, um, in Northern Minnesota. Um, you know, my, my great, great grandfather was one of the first ever Swedish mission church planters. Wow. And his church still exists today. Wow. Um, and that was what I grew up in was very traditional, very family oriented. And I love like parts of that. Yeah. Um, there's parts of that history that my heart holds very dear. And, but also there's parts of that history where I'm learning that people were saying, were like saying, well, that's not what's happening. So just look away. Mm. And for me to be like, no, I'm pretty sure that that's not right. Mm -hmm. You know? And to grow up in a very conservative space, um, I think God put very non-conservative spaces, like, in my face really quickly to prove to me that um, people groups, other religions, things like that, that, um, that the more conservative evangelical church really demonizes were my friends. Yeah. And I didn't have a choice. Yeah. Because I love them. And, um, you know, so I guess that's, you know, I had to I had to move forward in that knowledge that I was this Republican um, poster child for like I was um, on track to be John Hoven's press secretary who when he was the governor of yeah. North Dakota. Yeah. Um, for real. For real. Yeah. Um, his press secretary and I were, were friends. Mm -hmm. That's what I was in school for. Wow. Um, and then my world got turned upside down by, not by like a, an inciting incident, but just by people that I came in contact with. And I bet in the couple years of, um, I don't even know how many years of school, uh, I bet I had six or seven of my friends come out to me mm -hmm. and for me to be like, well, <laughs> this doesn't, this doesn't match, you know, what 
I was taught about the LGBTQ community because there wasn't goodness that was taught. It was right. just the other. Yeah, and, and they were probably very promiscuous or yeah. to be, you know, or to be prayed for so that they yeah. would change or. Right. Right. I mean. And here, um, I was at a, I went to the University of North Dakota and I found like, and I did all the good Christian things. Like when I got to school, like I got involved with Campus Crusade mm -hmm. and I had like a Bible study in my dorm and uh, all of those kinds of things. And I quickly found that the the Campus Crusade friends weren't very kind to yeah, me. Yeah. Uh, and but my friends who would buy me beer were super kind to me. Yeah. And so I went with them. <laughs> so did you feel like you had to choose? <clears throat> oh yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. So in college, here yeah. you are. You're in these campus groups, and you're fine. Maybe you're being treated with suspicion because mm -hmm. you're hanging out with. Others. So and so, and are people coming up to you, and are they concerned about you? And oh, they yeah. were praying for you. That 100%. kind of thing. Hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. And also, um, I was on the worship team. I had we were going to have a uh, one of those acoustic weepy weepy cry Jesus nights. You oh know? yeah. You know. Got to have them. Absolutely. Holy Spirit moves faster in the dark. Um, <laughs> that's a quote from my husband. Um, and we, uh, it was supposed to be just me. I was playing. I was going to sing and play the piano and then the worship leader who I uh, was going to sing and play guitar. And he was a very good looking guy. And he was also like single mm -hmm. because, and he was like, I don't want to date these crusade girls. And yeah. we ended up practicing one night in a church alone. And I came out to my car to find like the leadership from Campus Crusade, the female leadership standing around telling me that I shouldn't tempt men like that. Oh man. So practicing worship leading alone with him. I know. My piano skills are that good though. <laughs> Make a man stumble. <laughs> uh, Just over the rhythm. That's well, but I think that's so interesting that, you know, Maybe even people who are listening is like, oh, yeah, I was that I would have been in that group, you know, and, and mm -hmm. they feel so ashamed about it. Maybe now. Mm -hmm. But thinking back, I mean, I was just never part of that scene, really. Right. I just kind of went from sort of being the total party guy to being in grad school, basically. And, yep. and I was going to be a youth pastor. And I was like quick. But but I can imagine being so concerned about someone else and getting swept up in that sort of righteous frenzy. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not even, I mean, it can be mean girls-ish right. and, it, and it kind of is, right? But but do you know what I mean? Like, do you, like do you, I can still taste that one, well, we're concerned about her for real. And it is yeah. ridiculous. It's yeah. so dumb. But I think it's true that... Um... You know, I mean, I look back at a lot of things that I I did when I was younger in the name of, like, theological purity, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, even as, like, a camp counselor, thinking about some of the things, oh, I gosh, feel like yeah. sometimes I should start, like, a Facebook group of, like, just apologies for things that I said that were really dumb. Oh, like, as a camp counselor, I because, you know, I mean, I <laughs> I, have a, I have a good friend whose wedding I actually photographed, and she was a camper of mine, and she's like, 
honestly, Allie, you were super fun and we really liked you. But I remember you telling us that you thought Harry Potter was evil. Yes. And I was like, oh, no, I did that, didn't I? I was just so ashamed yeah. because now literally it's like it's like all my son, my son, Soren and I like we listen to the audiobooks mm -hmm. and we like that's like, oh, yeah. And but that I mean, that was the culture that was just wrapped up in. And then you extricate yourself from from things like that. And you realize how much someone else was telling you when to breathe mm -hmm. and when to think and when to blink. Yes. And they, you were certainly were doing it for your own good. And maybe they were so deluded that they thought they were doing it for your own good um, because other people had done it for, quote, mm -hmm. unquote, their own good. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, you take a look and you think, oh, what did I do? And then I'm – but I'm constantly reminded – that um you know the holy spirit works as a translator mm. and i'm hoping beyond hope that the horrible things i said uh were translated well by a better translator yeah than or at the very least forgotten yeah like i mean i was a youth pastor too and i did all that mm -hmm. stuff and camp i worked at a camp and all this and you know at the very least that anyone who took into heart something I said that mm -hmm. was really wrong or bad and there was that someone else is now in their life sort of helping them correct yes, that you know like absolutely translator through human being too yeah absolutely. you know what I mean um but I think like you you touch on something that's so real for so many people and that is I, I don't think you know even purity culture as damaging as that is and was I I don't think too many people were out to harm. Right. It, it really was this sense of like, well, we got to protect X, Y, Z. And, but I think, um, like, oh my gosh, I remember, I mean, this wasn't even, this was long ago enough to, anyway, my wife and I were sort of, I was doing a wedding for this couple and they came over for dinner, you mm. know, and. And we just, we asked them about sex, you know, mm -hmm. and, and I think we were really like sort of, I mean, it was just a conversation, but we were like, you know, sex is kind of hard. It's, it's hard to, you know, it takes a while to get, uh, mm -hmm. and it hurts at first and blah, blah, blah. And so we, and we were sort of subtly, this is a long time ago, but again, probably not, that's right, 10 years ago. We're like, you know, basically saying why they should wait. I mean, we weren't saying that, but, mm -hmm. and then later on, of course, we found out like, you know, oh my gosh, they were totally like, they've yeah. been having sex for years, you know? yeah. <laughs> like, but they were, and they were sitting there being so nice, you know, but then they didn't say like, oh, you know, actually, you know, but how awkward right. that must've been for right. them, you know? Oh my gosh. And how judged they must've <laughs> felt. Um, but we were just kind of. I don't know, following the party line a right. little bit and I don't know, trying our best and ugh. well, and I think I think that any time that something that's really um restrictive like purity culture of things yeah. um that can really be boiled down to two things, um good intentions and shame. Yes. And uh because when we, when Noah and I do premarital counseling for couples, which is one of our favorite things to do, um, and we sit down, and we we go through all the things. We go through family dynamics, and we go through um, finances, and we go through, um, and we spend a whole 
at least two hour chunk of time talking about sex and if they are having it or if they aren't and and kind of just like talking about it either way yeah yeah um and uh like being super brutally honest about things and realizing you know i think we um especially in a deconstructionalist faith have sort of a tendency to be like oh well purity culture was so harmful and it was that we should really like not talk about it anymore well yeah 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 because there's still this point where you're like well yeah but you really shouldn't just sleep with anyone like and put yourself in danger you know right right uh and to be able to say like hey here's a space where you get to be really open Mm -hmm. with yourself and another person and that's vulnerability like at its maximum Mm -hmm. and here we're gonna talk about this and we're gonna be really honest but also to know that you are never damaged goods yeah you know yeah yeah and especially for women like that's a big like that was just like a big um thing that people really pushed on on like my youth group era of things was like who's gonna want you oh yeah there's all these passing around a wilted rose and stuff like that i mean there's this i remember all that stuff it was crazy someone's like nobody's gonna eat a licked cupcake like oh my god like oh my god ew why am i number one that's gross (laughs) number one no number one obviously none of you have children because my kids licked that and i'm still gonna eat it Friends, isn't Allie great? Don't you love her? Well, hey, we'll get right back to that conversation. But I wanted to let you know that I have a book coming out on Tuesday, April 7th, which is coming up quick. It's called Shining Like the Sun, Seven Mindful Practices for Rekindling Your Faith. And you guys, I need some help spreading the word. So please consider joining my launch team. Uh, The first 50 people that join will get a printed final copy of the book mailed to them. Yay. Uh, everyone on the launch team will have access to a private Facebook page where I'll do some readings and I'll do some, it'll be like a book club for my book. Uh, we'll do some group chats. I'll do some Q and a, I'm going to do some giveaways, some books that I love, some Amazon gift cards and all that stuff. So head over to steveweens.com slash show notes and click on the link to join the launch team. Now back to my conversation with Allie Horman. Um, all right, I think we're going to get back to faith okay. stuff. I know we will, but um, I want to ask you a little bit about some of your creative pursuits because yeah. I know you're writing yep. and you're a writer, mm-hmm. but also you're a comedian and yes. you do stand up and all yes. that stuff. So, like, when did you find out you could create stuff, and who, like, who, who were some of the people that encouraged you to do that? Mm-hmm. Mrs. Wenzel. Um, oh, Mrs. Wenzel. <laughs> oh, Mrs. Wenzel. Uh, she's my ninth grade English teacher. Oh, cool. Um, and she's also my neighbor. And she is, uh, um, yeah, it, she was probably one of the first people to take a look at the words that I put down on a page and say, well, this is really good. Yeah. Like, you should keep going. Mm-hmm. And so I did. And, um, I did, you know, the typical teenage poet kind of thing. Um, I have a whole comedy bit in which I, which I read them out loud. It's quite embarrassing. Yes. Um, Early poetry is the best. Oh, yeah. Um, there's a, like, literally one of my very first, because I have a, you know, a notebook. It's got yeah. stickers all oh, over yeah. it. 
and uh but there's a line uh i wrote when i was like 14 before i had ever had a kiss from a boy or a boyfriend or anything it said if this is where love leads me every time love leads me i don't think i believe in love anymore But it's oh. just, but that's dripping with emotion. Uh, just all the emotions. You know, doesn't have to have experience to be real emotion. Yeah, that's emotion. That, um, but that's funny. That's yeah. sweet. Um, so I did that, and then uh, I went to college, and I uh, I majored in communication and political science, and so then this is UND. Yeah, UND. And after I graduated, I um, I I had done my practicum for the newspaper. Mm-hmm. Um, by this time, I had uh, met Noah. Who was slowly but surely changing my my views on things, um, and so I uh, didn't go the political route. I went and I wrote for the newspaper mm-hmm. for a year and a half, um, and then newspapers are dying. So first, last hired, first fired, kind yep, of a thing. Yep. Also, the news is terrible. It's awful and sad. <laughs> and anytime someone was wanted to do like a personal interest piece, they would just be like, ah, give it to Allie. She likes that crap. That crap. Yeah. Oh. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry that nobody died in my piece. <laughs> like, uh, and so, um, and then, you know, we went to seminary and a lot of my writing got put on hold. You know, okay. Can I, can I ask you a question? Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I'm not at all trying to throw Noah under the bus in any way, shape or form. I just know that still in Mm -hmm. many times young couple meets boy is called to ministry Mm -hmm. girl, uh, follows that calling and that's Mm -hmm. what they do. And she puts her thing on hold. Mm -hmm. Was that your story? Um, um, I would say it was more my story in seminary, just out of necessity of like, we have to eat, right. like so. Bills, um, yeah. yeah, so I worked at a gym that was right down from North Park. Did you go to North Park? No. Okay. Um, and uh, you know, I but I uh, entered sort of the world of blogging, trying to write more, but realizing like I I always felt like I was writing to try and fit into a niche so that I could get followership. Yeah, and I was like. But I don't actually want to write about being a mom today. Yeah. I, you know, I want to write about, um, like, my review of Jay Phelan's Essential es- Eschatology. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, like, yeah, I, yeah. Like, I, <clears throat> and, um, and so I think, like, that was sort of put on hold. And then we went to, um, to Washington for seven years at Creekside Covenant Church in Redmond, Washington. And I got to do, like, writing there for their newsletter. I wrote for um, Scary Mommy um, online. Um, And, like, a couple other, like, little publications and things like that. Seattle Bride and um, whatnot. But my focus was really on trying to build my photography business. Yeah. And, which was really hard in Seattle because of very saturated market with some of the literally best photographers in the world. Yeah. Like, yeah. um, and then we had kids 
and mm-hmm. planned or not planned or oh yeah like well planned planned cocktails sure like, sure sure but i mean yeah, like you like, didn't go through infertility for yeah, yeah. no okay. um yeah we had uh <laughs> cocktails could be part of the plan <laughs> they weren't uh, <laughs> uh but um yeah we had uh soren was born in on uh, 10 11 12 that's his birthday mm. and um i had a whole new thing to write about but had a it took a long time to figure out how to start putting that into words, mm-hmm. and then also I um, a lot of it got put on hold because of what I didn't know is that I had um, postpartum depression and anxiety, mm-hmm. and I didn't know that I had it until after my third son was born. Mm. So I had it for five years without. Mm. Um, and and what's really crazy is the number of moms who are just like, oh, it's just life with kids, mm-hmm. life is hard, mm-hmm. all of these things. And then after Axel was born, I think about probably six months after he was born, I just looked at Noah and I was like, Some, something's wrong. Okay, so it was you that sort of said mm-hmm. something's got to change. Well, and also it was um, the number of women in my life – oh, sorry – the number of women in my life who uh, – just opened up about like the medications they were on. Yeah. And when my sister told me about the medication she was on, I was like, wait, <laughs> how long have you been on this? And mm-hmm. she told me, and I was like, you're kind of a jerk. I wish you would have told me a lot yeah. sooner. Yeah. And uh, she just, she goes, Allie, look at our family. What woman on the rude side of the family doesn't need anxiety meds? And mm-hmm. I was like, that's a very good point. Yeah. Uh, so I went in. And I got on uh, Zoloft, and all of a sudden, it felt like I was breathing again, yeah. like I was above water. Yep. And I wasn't like stress yelling at my kids, and I wasn't. Um, and all of a sudden, then my it felt like my creative processes could start mm-hmm. again. Um. So, uh, I did. I know you write about that. I read. I read one of your blogs it was like 2018 was a good year gratitude um mm-hmm. and you opened up so i was going to ask you about that yeah um do you think there's still a stigma about medication for anxiety and depression among women yes and especially among moms mm. um uh i think that uh with moms there's a lot of uh gener- like generational mm-hmm. gaps of like you know, we didn't have that one. You know, we just we just sucked it up. And... Yeah, and it's like, yeah, and none of you have relationships with your children now. <laughs> like, um, like yeah, like there's a legit thing there. Uh, one of my very favorite comedians, his name is Gary Goldman. He'll be in Minneapolis in March, and he has a new HBO special called The Great Depression. Mm-hmm. And he talks about in the seventies, you had two kinds of uh, medicine that was available, snap out of it, and what do you have to be sad about? Like, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. And, if, you were, if you felt blue, yeah, that's what you got. And but now I think, especially in uh, the millennial generation of moms, um, there's one information overload. People, one hundred percent. People are like, well, haven't you done your research? Well, Google doesn't count as research. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't. Um, because anything pops up there. Um, and two, 
um, I think people are like, well, haven't you tried yoga? Mm -hmm. Haven't you tried mm -hmm. running? Mm -hmm. Haven't you tried meditation? Haven't you tried? And I'm like, yeah, I have. And I also have this tiny blue pill mm -hmm. that makes it so that when I feel happy, my brain doesn't automatically shut that down. Like, see, I'm on, I'm on medication as well for anxiety, depression. And the way I look at it is like, it actually gets me to a level where I can do hard work without totally drowning, yep. you know? Yep. Like it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't give me just, you know, I'm not <laughs> bliss all day I long. I know, I'm not floating. You know, not at all. Um and so I think there's even among those who maybe don't, who haven't taken mm -hmm. meds, uh, maybe some misinformation about yes. even what it does. Or like, I'm not, I'm not foggy all the times I'm on meds at all. I'm, right. I can do my life, but it enables me to do my life. Yes. And I think, um, I think when people uh, think about anxiety and depression, they have, well, one, the postpartum interviews that they give you when um after you have babies they're essentially like do you ever feel like harming your child mm -hmm. well, no of course i don't feel like harming my child my child is beautiful i feel like i don't want to get out of bed right like i feel like when he cries i want to ignore him mm -hmm. um i feel like when my two children spill something on the floor i want to lose my mind yeah and Nobody told me that that's what that was. Like people are like, oh, it's just being a mom. Being mm -hmm. a mom is really hard. Mm -hmm. And I am just so grateful for the women in my life who stood up and said, no, I just do this. This yeah. is just part of like I take it when I take my vitamins. Mm -hmm. And I think like, you know, if you were a type one diabetic who had to take um, medicine to make your body make insulin. You take your medicine to make your body make insulin. Like I take medicine to make my body make serotonin yeah. so that I feel like a human. Yes. And then I can operate at regular human level. Right. And not so far below it that mm -hmm. everything looks, everything else that people are going through looks awesome. And no, it's not bipolar. And I don't have, um, I've never since being a teenager which was a different story, but like I haven't, I don't have suicidal ideations and I, like I'm not, you know, self-harming. And I think we live in a world of such extremes where people expect things to be really awful before they get better mm -hmm. that I just, it that's so backwards to me. Yeah, I think it's backwards to humanity in general and it it's frustrating to me. Now you don't seem like the kind of person that's going to subscribe to the, well, have you prayed enough? Have you prayed about it? You know, but were people telling you that back oh, then? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Oh, yeah. And I think this is probably um, one of the hardest. So growing up, um, starting around age 12 is when my eating disorder started and uh, went for about five and a half years of um, anorexia and then bulimia. Um, I found out very quickly that you can't be on the swim team if you don't have any food in your stomach mm -hmm. um but you can throw it up later um hmm. and 
the first person that I ever really told the whole story to was my grandma Hmm. and my grandma who's, you know, hardline. Sure. Concerned. Like, I mean, she was just, uh, but she had just been diagnosed with cancer and, uh, I told her, I was like, I'm going to tell you something, but you have to promise not to tell my mom and dad. And somehow, for some reason, she agreed to that. Mm-hmm. And I told her that I, I was like, I hate eating. I don't like myself. And I wanted to die a bunch of times this year. And I throw up most of what I eat. And she said, okay. So I'm 73 and I'm going to fight the disease that's killing me. Mm-hmm. When you're 16, you're going to fight the disease that's killing you, and we'll just do it together. And I finally had an adult in my life who was 100% honest with me. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, did she sometimes tell me that I had to pray harder about it? Absolutely, she did. But from a space of also, she would tell me if she had a terrible day. Okay. And I never had adults tell me they had terrible days. They would just either avoid the conversation and be like, it's fine. See, that, that's different. To me, that's integration. Like, 100%. We should be praying for the things that we struggle with, 100%, of course. Mm-hmm. And if we're not allowing ourselves to be honest about the days yeah. that suck, and, you know, then I think to me, it's like I get frustrated, not even frustrated. I just want to say, okay, we're done talking. If yeah. when I share something, and this hardly ever happened, I don't even know when the last time it maybe happened. It's been so long, but. When just the response would be, well, you should pray about it. To me, that's like saying, like, screw you. I don't even want to talk to you about it. You right. know, like, like, stop telling me that. I feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So we're going to stop this conversation by me telling you right. what you should do Yeah. to, to get rid of these icky yeah. feelings. You know? Exactly. Um, yeah. So. Wow. So, okay. So eating disorder, mm-hmm. starting age 12, um, some suicidal ideation. Mm-hmm. And so you had your grandma... How else did you sort of survive those years? High I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. And and you know, I've I've had lots of. I had a really great friend group. Okay, like that's huge. Um, and it was actually like there's myself and six other girls, where we were all like an honest to goodness friend group. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously we had spats and whatever because we're girls and teenagers and humans, but um. Uh, they're still, uh, friends of mine. Some of them are still very good friends of mine. And in a couple of weeks, we're all getting an Airbnb in Alexandria, like all seven of us. Yes. Yeah. Like one of them's flying in from Florida, one like oh, that's coming awesome. in from the center of North Dakota. And we're, um, our friend Jim called us the sinister seven because we were yes. the least sinister people. Like we were yeah. the most goody two shoes yeah. group of people. Yeah. In our school. Now, so. has it been a number of years since you've seen some of them, or is yes, it? Yes, since the last time was when the f- the first babies were born. So, and this um, is no kids, right? You're just 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 you guys. Yeah, no, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No. No, 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 we don't bring our children no, along. No, no. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, so I had I had them, um, but I really did have uh, I had I had. Wh- a person that I could yeah. cling to really, really hard. And, um, and it was a person that, um, I think some of it was her realizing she didn't have as much compassion mm. when she was a mom. Mm-hmm. 
as she, you know, she just didn't have the capacity for it. My grandfather died uh, in 1971 from an accident at work and Whoa. and left her with six kids and the youngest Whoa. was four. And Whoa. like, like legitimately, she only had so much capacity for so much. And yeah. I think um, this was her really giving more of her capacity. Um, and so we were just... We were just honest with you with each other, which was really amazing. Mm -hmm. And then when she died, um, two years later, the day after I graduated high school, I was so angry because hmm. like who's who's fighting now? Right. Like what what's the point? And the next day we all went out to dinner. Um your family, like my whole family, like all all of my aunts and uncles and cousins and whatnot, anyone who could be there. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, my fa my family's the kind of people who like we were all in the room, we sang the doxology, mm -hmm. we like like it was a very powerful moment. And then I was just mad. And then I went into the bathroom and I threw up everything I ate because I was mad. Mm -hmm. And then my aunt just says, Well, you know, she always called it her fight, and she finally won. She's exactly where she always wanted to be. Hmm. She's with her husband, and she's with God, and mm -hmm. that's good enough. And that was the day that I count as, like, my sober day. Okay. It was May 26, 2002. Wow. So I've officially been healthy longer than I was sick mm -hmm. um, uh, for a while. So. Wow. Yeah. Wow. What do you tell women that come to you that – open up about their own eating disorders and mm -hmm. stuff like that. That must happen in the, mm -hmm. just in your life, in the church and all that stuff. All the time. Go to therapy. Yeah. Like immediately. Yep. Like now, I mean, looking back, eating disorders are one thing that like the actual act of them, um, it's like an addiction. Like, like mm -hmm. it's, it rewires your brain yep. and how you view food. Um, but unlike Alcohol, which you can live without, or drugs that you can live without. You can't live without food. Right. So um, eating disorders have much longer uh, repercussions into the future. And I really wish I had gotten professional help earlier. Got it. Like, than, um, you know, now being able to see a counselor and, and remembering, like, oh, food doesn't have moral value. Like, mm -hmm. you know, um and things like that. Uh, but also, um, I think one of the worst things that we do, especially to young girls, because, I mean, it, there's always eating disorders in youth groups mm -hmm, because it's mm -hmm. one in four. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, is we put more food in front of them because we think it's a food problem. Mm. And I've seen that happen so many times. And it's not. <laughs> it's a control problem. Yeah. Um, and... To recognize that that uh, it's not a phase that girls go through. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's just a phase. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I heard that a lot when I was very skinny. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, it's just a phase. And to be like, well, even if it was, it's not a necessary one. Right. And I think it's hard, too, because, you know, a, a woman, a young woman, a girl is getting skinnier. And then they get affirmation for that. You look so right. great. You know. Yeah. And maybe they do look great. Maybe they don't. You know, yeah. it's like, but thin is great. Thin so, is great, right? Do people still? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's. Um, 
Yeah. And I think about how many compliments I would have been getting mm -hmm. being the same height that I am now and about 65 pounds less than I weigh right now. Mm -hmm. And like, but now being able to own the fact like, I think bodies are so incredible. They keep you alive. Like we need to really respect mm -hmm. them. I, mine grew three people and fed them mm -hmm. for a very long time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, it's, um, I wanted more women in my life to be like, your body is incredible. Yeah. From the time I was young. Right. Not it's beautiful, not it's pretty, but it's incredible. It's incredible. It's strong. It's, it's capable. so it's capable. Resilient. It's, it's so powerful. Yeah. And I great. think, I think that the more I've had women in my life now who can speak that kind of truth, Mm -hmm. into my life that gives me the power to speak that kind of truth into other people's lives like your body is it's literally desperate to keep you alive yeah like yeah that's incredible yeah and i think there's just a whole education that needs to happen mm -hmm. men and women parents boys girls just about about comments to never make about someone else's mm -hmm. body mm -hmm. um and other than the things you just said, oh, yeah, our, our bodies are fantastic. They're resilient. They're strong. They're amazing. Mm -hmm. They're capable. They're, right. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, yeah. Yeah. You know? Well, and I think that ties back for me a lot to being like a pastor's wife. Uh, yeah. After my son, I tell this story, after my son Jude was born, I brought him to church nine days old. Just adorable wow. yep. little. Oh, and he's all up in my Moby wrap. Yeah. Just yeah, so yeah. cute. And this woman in our church comes up and she puts her hand out like she's going to put his, her hand on his back, which is just fine. And she lowers it to my belly and says, I see you're still working on that baby weight. <gasps> oh, my God. And I was like, this is why no one wants to be a pastor's wife. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, who would say that to literally anyone else? Yeah. I mean... I don't even know what to call that. That's not even passive aggressive. That's yeah, just, just aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> that's just that's just mean. That's just mean, <laughs> rude, clueless. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. It's like, well, it took me nine months to grow, so nine days. The other thing is like like just just PS. The stomach like is Apart from genitals, I think <laughs> that's about the most personal, private thing that you yeah. could touch on yeah. someone else's body. I, yeah. I think, you know, yeah. I'm trying to think of what else would, for me anyway, like stomach. Oh, don't, don't, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. You know, and I'm a guy. So, um, yeah. Uh, a, a comic friend of mine, his name is Tom Chilstrom. He, he was up at a, a show. He was hosting the show. He was telling talking about how he got in a fight with a guy because the guy came up and rubbed his stomach mm -hmm. and he's like who does that to people and then i got up and it's like well tom you've obviously never been pregnant yeah <laughs> because everybody everybody does that okay so you the, just stand up like you stand up. so you do stand up i do and where, where do you perform best. and you know, how'd you get into that it's the best um i got into it because i well i love stand-up comedy i could listen to stand-up comedy only like yeah. all the time and it's just brilliant because i think i don't think enough people really realize how hard of an art form that is have you seen jerry seinfeld's do documentary yes I, do, do you like that i was about to say i, I think that's the best but 
you're you're much more of a um, pro than I am, but oh, I'm just on the craft, you know yeah. how oh, tough. Like he worked for months and months and months on getting five minutes of material yeah. back. You yeah, know? and I think that that's um, I think that that's an extraordinarily uh, important thing for people to realize. And I and it was something that I I knew about before trying comedy out mm. was the fact that the craft had to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am not the kind of person who's going to try something that I don't think I'm going to be any good at. Right. Like if, you know, if you're like, hey, do you want to play tennis? I'm like, No, nope. no, I don't. Hard that's pass. a terrible, that's a terrible idea. But uh, I knew that I was quick witted and I knew that I was like relatively funny and I knew I was a good writer. So I was like, well, and I said something I never say ever, which was, well, what's the worst that's going to happen? Like, like. Uh, they'll tell me I'm bad, and then literally it changes nothing. And so I made, I made the goal I was going to do it before I turned 35. Uh, so literally the Monday before I turned 35, uh, I went to Acme Comedy Club mm-hmm. in Minneapolis on Monday nights. They have an open mic. Mm-hmm. Um, I've told people this in the comedy industry, and they're like, "Ooh, that was," because it's uh, Acme is like. Um, an actual comedy company. Yeah. It's not just like a bar with an open mm-hmm, mic. Mm-hmm. And so um, if you're a comedian that is like a nationally touring comedian, you're either at Acme or you're at like the Orpheum. Mm-hmm. So it's the next so step So you could up. go after a really, really funny nationally known comedian. Right. And uh, didn't know that. Um, oh and uh, so it was open mic night. I got there. I was so nervous. Um, I had like my like power leather jacket on and just trying to be like, ah. And I signed up. And, and when it's your first time at a club, you put a star by your name. Okay. And that's how they know that you're new. And they try and get a couple new people up. And I got up and uh, I opened with the line. I just said, uh, you know, something you should know about me. I'm a mom. I have three sons and I'm also a pastor's wife. So if you think I'm going to, but if you think I'm going to just tell little kid church jokes, please know I live with four men. All I have are dick jokes. Yes. <laughs> yes. And did that kill? Oh, that yeah. Kill. People loved it. Yeah. And, and that's I, great. That is a great opener. Come on. And I, I, and I, I'm like so not, a, I'm so Minnesotan that I will never do my own work, but I killed it that night. Yeah. And I, and I did a tight three. Yeah. Which is, that's what you get. You get three minutes. Mm-hmm. They light you at two and a half minutes. So they just shine a light mm-hmm. to let you know you have 30 seconds to wrap it up. And I did it in 255. Because um, if you go over, uh, they'll cut your mic. And if you keep trying, they blacklist you. Yeah. Um, and so I, I was like so prepared. And uh, there was another woman who was a comedian that night. Her name is Elise Cole. Uh, she and I... Um, ended up being in sort of the same Facebook group. Mm-hmm. And I reached out to her. I said, I saw your set. It was incredible. You are so funny. I said, I did my first set that night. And like, it was just really encouraging to watch you. And her response was, oh my goodness, I've been looking for you everywhere. <laughs> like yes. she's like, and she has really become a mentor for me. She's oh, cool. just the just the best. And I think Minnesota was the right place for me to learn how to do comedy because I haven't really come across. There's not really any hecklers. Yeah. Um, people are there for a comedy show and they want that. They don't want like um, hard stuff. 
and and the community is really kind. Huh. Like there, I mean, there are obviously it's a community of people, so the there's in betweeners, but I think um, you know. But I get to me like like Minnesotans sort of want you to do well, you know, yes, right? I yes. mean, they're they're sort of rooting for you. A hundred percent, yes. And um, <laughs> that's so funny. I never would have like. Of course they are. Yeah. I never would have thought that, but that's true. And they, um, but also I, th- um, I think there's like the the sad side of that is the the pity laugh. Oh uh, yeah, but you can tell. Can you tell? Yeah, you can totally tell. But there are people who can't. Oh yeah. And people feel like they should laugh at their stuff oh, and you yeah. just want to be like just don't laugh yeah because they need to know that that joke failed right and so you need to try harder you yeah. need to like work on that better yeah. yeah and that's not a bad thing just gotta make it land and so is i was just doing a lot of open mics and then um met a couple people who gave me some feature spots um and then uh, there's a show at uh, the House of Comedy at the Mall of America called Day Drinking with Mom, mm-hmm. which is run by two of the most amazing comics, uh, Karen Pickering and Wendy Mayberry. And they asked me to come on uh, a couple months ago as an opener, and then you'll see me as a feature March 22nd. I'll be at the Mall of America. Yes. Uh, and then also, again, at the House of Comedy on March 24th. So House of Comedy, Mart, I'm going to put this on the show notes. Uh, House of Comedy on the 24th of March. And the 22nd. And the 22nd mm-hmm. at the House of Comedy? Yeah. So the 22nd is when I'll be a feature and the 24th is their um, amateur hour. And that's at the Mall of America. Yep. Okay. I'm going to put that on the show notes. Minnesota people, get into it. Um, get into it. I, <laughs> I love Pete Holmes. I mean, he's just yes, one of my I know. faves. Have I you know. seen Crashing? I love Crashing. Okay. That is a fantastic show. Mainly because it feels so much about like my life and mm. this, his, like his experience growing up in the Christian community yeah. and then wanting to do comedy, mm-hmm. but not necessarily wanting to do Christian comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, and like feeling that pull like between these two things and i was actually watching this episode where he's going on tour with like the christian Mm -hmm. band and the worship team is up there and i know that they're all actors but liz vice is Mm -hmm. like on the worship team in this church and i'm like i want to be there because i want to be sitting with liz vice singing amazing worship songs and i also want to be with pete holmes yeah like telling his hilarious jokes that aren't appropriate for church yeah. and kind of like living in this tension and then <laughs> and i shut the episode off and i was like i don't know what to do and, and then uh the next day uh scott erickson uh scott the painter oh yeah, like, yeah 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 mm-hmm. um posted this extraordinary picture of like a duck wearing an eagle mask mm-hmm. and saying like sometimes it's hard um, to feel like you don't fit into one single space. And it literally said, because you go into a church and there are sacred spaces, but also there are dick jokes and they exist at the same time. And you can go into a comedy club and tell, you can't go into a comedy club and pray and you can't go into a church and tell dick jokes. And that's why it's important to practice a both and yes. mentality of your life. And I was like, how did this come up on Instagram the day after I'm having this crisis? So, um, 
So yeah, that's what I do. But uh, my favorite open mics in the city by far are, um, well, Monday nights at Acme Mm -hmm. are the nights where you're going to find the best, some of the best, like, polished comedy Mm -hmm. in the Twin Cities. Um, And also all open mics are always free. Okay. So people can get in, get drinks, get Mm -hmm. food, whatever. Um, And then, but also Monday nights at uh, Dunord Craft Spirits is a... um, show called uproar which is amazing because it's the only way you get up is if you are not a straight white man Mm. so there's a lot of women a lot of people of color and Mm -hmm. a lot of lgbtq Mm -hmm. um people comics who get up and do this extraordinary work and Mm -hmm. um aren't inundated by you know the dane cook wannabes of the world you know right, right right um and then um, Thursday nights at Sisyphus Brewing is extraordinary Pretty as well. Pretty good. Okay. Mm-hmm. That is a good list of stand-up. Yeah. Um, you know, I love, I love comedians as well. And yet I don't, I don't know if I've ever like gone to a live stand-up show. Mm. You know, like I've seen comedians that, that they'll do something and, you know, before some other event mm-hmm. or whatever. But like, I think I would love that. Yeah. That's, yeah. And, um. I think my dream is to one day be a comic at Don't Tell Comedy. And if if you ever want just like a really good time, there's if you follow Don't Tell Comedy and then you go to your website and you put in your email address, they will email you the day of a show. It's always in a secret location. Like the last one mm. in the Twin Cities was in the Stillwater Salt Mines. Like, and they bring in like really big surprise comedians will come in and, and it's that day you get an email yep, that you get day. An, you get a couple hours before it happens and that's why don't tell that's mm-hmm. like oh that's so cool it's that's so almost like fun. speakeasy for yeah for comedy it is oh that's cool yeah that's really and so it's all over the twin cities all it's over. actually it's a national thing okay. but the twin cities has one it's like a chapter yeah hosted by casey flesh and he's great so okay um i'm gonna check what time it is yeah. oh my lord okay so ali um there are really so many um, okay, two questions. You yes. get to pick which one you answer okay. first. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is a little bit more of a, like a, think about it like a, you know, what's the word? Like answer quick or don't, you don't have to get into it yep. hardcore unless you want to. But who or what inspires you these days mm-hmm. and who or what makes you angry these days? Mm. Um, inspired definitely uh, would be... Uh, some of the great music that's coming out of like Joy Williams' newest album. Oh yeah, is, it's Front Porch is yeah, um, is absolute life. But mm-hmm. also, um, um, just kind of uh, getting back into the craft of writing. So I'm back into reading a lot of Wendell Berry mm-hmm. um, and remembering what it is to tell a story. Mm-hmm. And then um, right now I'm listening to the uh, book Children of uh, Virtue and Vengeance by Tommy Adiemi. Um, mm-hmm. She wrote Children of Blood and Bone, and this is the second in this series of um, what it is to tell justice stories through allegory. Yeah. And so um, that's huge. And also my kids. My kids do most of my comedy writing for me. Yes, like, of course. They are. Like when my, when my five-year-old watches Little Mermaid and he's like asking if mermaids eat fish, and then he's like, 
or do they just eat the top part because it would be weird to eat the part that looks like you (laughs) so there's that like my kids are just they're hilarious yeah um what makes me angry politics makes me angry i have a degree in political science and it just makes me angry um we have a president that makes me very angry mm-hmm. um but uh somebody said that they still followed this one specific person you know just as a hate follow and i was like realizing i don't have time for that in in my life anymore and the um i mean i preached on sunday um and i tell people this is like you know people are always like oh what's god's will for your life rejoice always and mm-hmm. pray continually and then mm-hmm. all things give thanks and if when i focus on that when i do that more mm-hmm. the anger dissipates because um i'm the kind of person where uh i'm a good minnesotan i can hold grudges for yeah. a real <clears throat> long time yeah like a really long time yeah um but i found that it just corrodes me it doesn't mm-hmm. do anything to the other person so mm-hmm. um yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot to be angry about. I also think, I mean, your communication, journalism, poli sci person, I do think we, and this is, um, have you heard of or read Ezra Klein's new book, um, Why We're Polarized Yet? I haven't read it, but I've heard of it. Yeah. And because, I love Ezra Klein. Yeah. He's pretty fantastic. But essentially, you know, he's like more than ever before our identities have been sort of stacked one on top of another right republican white christian mm-hmm. and then that block that mega identity gets mm-hmm. marketed to and you know get the and so like the the an outrage mm-hmm. is what gets clicks and you know so we're just reading stories of outrage right uh, uh, one after the other after the other and so we're in this endless feedback loop and it doesn't mean that there isn't stuff to be really seriously angry about there is right and justice and who's gonna do it Mm -hmm. right so i'm not saying that we that's not and i think i'm underlying what you just said about rejoice and give thanks and there there is also i think um like i think ezra klein calls it sort of political hobbyism you know it's Mm -hmm. like we we get on twitter and we rant and then that's our that's our you know that's what we've done that day Mm -hmm. you know and that can feel like like we've done something but really what have we done (laughs) well i have 167 followers so (laughs) nothing literally nothing um i've done nothing uh and i think too that people um uh when we talk about affecting change when we talk about you know, looking at your life, I think the fact that we have so much information that is available to us, we forget that as much as um, political unrest and things like that seem so huge, when you boil it down to it, like the the solution is being hyper local, like is mm-hmm. to be like really invested in the people around you because you can't hate someone that you're in an actual relationship with. Yeah. Um, and. Or it's it, much harder. Maybe. It's, yeah. It's much harder yeah. to hit, to, to hate someone, to be very angry with them because when you're super angry with someone, you can't be in relationship, like a, a, a good relationship with them. Um, so 
either there has to be resolution or disillusion, but yeah. there can't just be, be sustained anger right. because it takes so much energy. Like you have to try to <laughs> oh. stay angry. And and I, I think that much like aren't people tired? Like I'm I'm tired enough like at the end of the day if I've had a good day. Like yeah. I yeah. the amount of effort in anger and I think um you know when we practice forgiveness and we practice um you know mercy and compassion and things like that they're all exhausting things like they're all work related things and um we need rest and we need nourishment and that's why you come to a table right like yeah. that's where common stories are i yeah it's always there well i think you bring up a good point to um local and personal ezra klein talks about that a lot mm -hmm. because we we need to focus less on honestly less on national yeah politics and more on state and local yeah and i think the same thing goes you're just saying this i'm just underlining it i'm saying yay i'm saying amen but like you know forgiveness with someone that you're living with mm -hmm. being around right is a much different thing than sort of learning to let go of someone that you've never met that you feel right. angry at their ideas or whatever, right. you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that, you know, um, Donald Trump will always have my anger, like, but he'll also always have my indifference. Yeah. Like, uh, like I could literally care less. Like, like his ideas make me angry. His person could jump into a volcano. Like I, I think uh, this is oversimplifying. But I do think he is a genius at one thing, and that is staying in the minds yep. and hearts of people. He's he's an earworm. He's yeah. found a way. Yes. Like, I thought about this. This was a couple of years ago, like after the 2016 election. This is 2018 or, or, or so. Maybe it was 19. But I thought, I've thought about him multiple times every single day mm -hmm. since the election. Mm -hmm. Who else? You know, yeah. other than my boys, my wife, can I say that about? Right. And that's 100% intentional. And he's brilliant at knowing how to do it by yeah. being outrageous and by being. And I think I think he thinks thinks those things, too. Yeah. I'm not saying he's just making it all up for um, ratings, but, you know. Yeah. And I think um, so a couple of years ago, uh, someone explained um, uh, the idea of. Um, being in Christ as being a geography that you live in and not like a, like it's, it's actually like a new location. It's yeah. a new space in which you occupy. Right. Um, I really feel like that is um, true of uh, forgiveness. I think forgiveness yeah. is a geography that you live in, that it's not, um, it's not a thing that you do one time or even a thing you do multiple times. It's a, it's a place in which you have to live. Mm -hmm. Um, and when you live there, um, uh, it's easier to like forgive, uh, trauma and, uh, not trauma necessarily that's happened to you, but like, like the fact that hurt people hurt people. Mm -hmm. And when you're hurt by those people, like, and you live in, in forgiveness when your anger arises at them or whatever, you're reminded that that anger doesn't live in that same geography you do. Yeah, I like that. I like that. I like thinking about it that way. And it's a breathing in, you breathe in the mm -hmm. air, you breathe out the air, you mm -hmm. notice, you wake up, you fall asleep. I mean, yeah. in that geography and, and you become attuned to 
forgiveness more and less and and but it also sort of i think like do you think it also works like if you're if you're living the land of forgiveness then it's like you are exuding that to probably all yeah you know yeah you probably can't necessarily withhold it from one while giving it to the other right and i think that that's you know it's definitely like geography you stand in crossroads of very often it's geography i leave relatively probably more than i should sure um but um but i like that even too you're gonna leave that for a while you're gonna come back and i think um i think one of the great things that um television and movies as of late that have a lot of been dealing with the the concept of a multiverse yeah like which has really exploded Uh like multiverse books and movies and tv shows and everything like that but like the concept that you can occupy multiple places at one time um i think uh this is the year that i really gave myself permission to be more than one thing yes um and even more recently give myself permission to be more than one thing at one time yes um that when i get um up behind a pulpit i'm still like a christian and a comedian and when i get up at an open mic i'm still a christian and a comedian Mm -hmm. um and i can occupy both of those spaces at the same time Uh and that does it's not a paradox it's not any of those things it's just that's just who i am Mm -hmm. and duck with the eagle uh, yeah i love that and i i think this is the first year that i've really begin to feel like oh i am all of these things at the same time and none of them are in conflict with each other uh, because I can be a mom and a comedian and a photographer and a business owner and a preacher and a wife and um, like a friend and I can't be all those things at, at the same time every moment like I can't be physically doing all of those things at the same time right. um, but that doesn't mean they don't carry me where I go yeah. Like, mm. that is really good. I really like that, and I resonate with that lately too. Yeah, you know, for me, like I think especially in my role as pastor, I, I've never been honestly. I've never been one of these people who uh, my only identity is pastor. I, I right. just have never, I've never even wanted that. You know, mm-hmm. like, that's never been. I shouldn't say never, but for a long time it hasn't been. Right. But lately especially it's like I I need to be more than more than that and more than dad sometimes mm-hmm. and more than you know husband and yeah, I really resonate with that. I think there's so much freedom that comes with that. I wonder what kind of geography that is, you mm-hmm. know. That's well, the multiverse. I like that yeah. idea. The, the, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a kingdom space. Yeah. Like it it occupies more yeah. than one space at one time. Yeah. And also, um, this is probably the first year I've ever lived a life where I don't apologize for taking that space up. Right. And let me even say one, like, I I was in this conversation a couple days ago where I was saying some things that were good. Mm -hmm. Things to say. And I also overstepped my bounds. Yeah. (laughs) I really did. And I had to apologize. And I really did have to apologize. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that everything I said or that I said it at all or right. even that I overstepped my bounds 
was, oh no, you know, because mm-hmm. I can three on the enneagram, I can go, oh shit, you know, like mm-hmm. I, I, I screwed that up, I fucked that up, I, ugh, I hate that. But it, living like part of how I'm translating that being mm-hmm. more than one thing at one time is I can be a truth teller who doesn't tell the truth perfectly. Yes, <laughs> you know. Yes, and I think that's where cancel culture becomes so. Yes. So terrifyingly immediate. Yeah. When people hear you say something the way you shouldn't, mm-hmm. like, which we all do. Yep. Um, even if it was not just good intention, but like good advice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it wasn't the right space or the time or whatever to be received the way it was intended. Um, people immediately throw up their arms and they're mm-hmm. like, that's it canceled shun like mm-hmm. the dwight Schrute shun unshun kind of a thing um and uh and uh, it's terrifying to me because um i think about just the lack of grace that is given and the thing is is so much of cancel culture is just for our immediate mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. um you know you think about um Martin Luther didn't get cancel cultured. And mm-hmm. <laughs> here's a guy whose songs that we still sing and whose work we are grateful for. Uh, and, you know, there it'll be like a cold day in hell when someone tells me I'm not supposed to sing A Mighty Fortress is Our mm-hmm. God because I mm-hmm. love that mm-hmm. song. Mm-hmm. I do not love the fact that he signed off on the slaughter of thousands of peasants. Yep. Like, yep. and that's a slaughter. Yeah. Like, You know, and here people can just be absolutely canceled for a tweet or a, Mm -hmm. or a, like a, you know, like there is no grace in cancel culture. And that's, um, I think the thought of my sons growing up in a graceless world is terrifying to me. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. As much as I think that's a good place to end, I do want to ask you one more set of like almost examine kind of questions. Yeah. But so, th- but this will be the last. <laughs> Unless there's something you hoped I would ask you that I didn't. I'm so sorry. Which th- that'll be my last actual question. So you can think about mm-hmm. it. But um, what are you feeling this, the need to move toward these days? Mm-hmm. And what are you feeling the need to move away from? Mm. Um, and it could be anything, it could be fun, it could be yeah. deep, it could be light. Yeah. Um, I think uh, I'm definitely moving toward um, uh, just like filling my house with more people. Yeah. Um, I love to cook and I love to bake. And for a very long time, especially when you have food issues, like uh, your love language um, uh, battles it out with your love handles kind of uh, thing. And um, so I think really, but there is no time in my life that I feel closer to my family or my friends or to God when I'm, than when I am like fill my house full of people and just like, it's just the best. Um, and, um, I'm definitely doing my best to move away from my phone. Okay. That's I think. And it's so hard. It's so hard, but I'm like strategically deleting apps. Mm -hmm, Mm hmm. And I also have all of my, um, all of my apps are in folders, yeah. like that yep. say things like the one with Instagram. Like Facebook is not on my phone because 
that's just a dumpster fire. Like it just, I can't take yep. it anymore. Um, but like Gosh, for me, it's Twitter. Actually, Facebook is so t- maybe. Anyway, go ahead. You don't have all the same old ladies who from my church that okay. requested to be okay. your friends. Yeah. Um, but uh, the but Instagram and Twitter and text messaging and um, yeah, those three are in one that says energy. And my um, calendar my business um things uh it says uh time mm-hmm. or effort time um space like literally like this is what you're choosing right now and i'm strategically trying to just offload mm-hmm. the extra stuff and then um also like be really intentional about when my kids are home. Just plug it in, stick mm-hmm, it in a basket, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. not look at it because it's, whoo, boy, is that thing just addictive. Yeah, let's show each other our our um, folders because I I do, and I haven't met anyone else who who does that. And I think I got it somewhere. I can't remember where I, but my social media folder is connect. Mm-hmm. I like energy because it's like. Am I going to spend my energy this mm-hmm. way or that way? But but connect helps me remember like why am I on here? Am I actually on here to connect with people that right. I enjoy? Um, speaking of the phone, do you follow Seth Haynes? Because um, he's doing a lot of good stuff right now with specifically phone cutting down phone stuff. And oh, anyway. I don't, but now I will. Yeah, Seth Haynes, great dude. He lives in Arkansas. He just came out with a book called The Book of Waking Up, mm. and it is a beautiful book. Yeah. Oh, my dear Lord. Um, but I think you might like some of his thoughts around that, especially just the phone stuff. And I agree. it's oh, That can be such a suck, a mm-hmm. time suck, mm-hmm. especially around our kids. You know, kids, like, yeah. I have given my kids permission to tell me, mm-hmm. Dad, quit dinking around with your phone. Yep. And I tell them, whenever you say that, I will immediately get off. Yeah. That's the little code, but I feel like that's I need to re re envision that because I know yeah that they see me on my phone too much and I I you know the number of times that like you know my youngest who's two and is really expressive for being two but he's still two he's you know he's not mm-hmm. like talking in like major paragraphs or anything like that. But he'll come up and be like, Mom, stop that. And he'll he'll just like take my phone and Uh like now he legit throws my phone. And I'm like, okay, so you can tell Mom to stop it Uh without breaking Yes, it's just still my space. Do you think the phone is is a pacifier? Do you think it's a cigarette? Do you think it's a Mm. drink? I mean, what do you compare it to? I think it's a cigarette. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Because it, it could kill me. But also, like, you know, or I could be George Burns and, and you know, yeah, live, live to be 101 and, and smoking all the time. Day, yeah. um, but more than anything, like, um, you know, I smoked a handful of cigarettes in college. Uh, like, that hit of nicotine right to your lungs, like, all of a sudden makes you feel like, oh, this is what I'm here for, mm-hmm. right? And, um, like Twitter can be a collective rage machine that I'm like, yeah, I'm so here for this. Um, or Instagram, you know, the likes, 
you know and that's the other thing is like i don't have any push notifications on yeah. my phone yeah except if my bank has to alert me to like <laughs> yes put more fraudul- money <laughs> fraudulent activity or you're poor stop yeah, spending yeah, money yeah. um yeah no that's smart too like I, yeah all my push are that, that's all yeah disabled but um yeah sorry yeah, yeah. no and it's and because um like i don't um, and I, I think one of the most sobering things is now the fact iPhones have like the screen time um, thing. Mm-hmm. And if you actually look at it, it'll tell you how many times you picked up your phone that day. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, you know what? <laughs> Judgy McJudgerson. Knock yeah. it off. Is that shame? Is that guilt? I don't even know. I don't it's even know good. either. Yeah. Yeah. It's self. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, then last question. Is there mm-hmm. anything you hoped I would ask you about that I didn't? Um, we didn't really get into your book. What are you writing about? Sorry, I, oh, I answered your own question. Yeah, I, I'll let you answer it. Um, I I am writing a book. I it's a fiction. Um, uh, I'm writing a story. I I it's hard to explain, but um, but uh, I actually the writing this story has changed so much of my life. Um, even though it's just a story that exists in my head. Uh, and I preached about that on Sunday about the concept that God is an author and perfecter and how, as a kid, I always read that as like, God wrote you a perfect story. Mm. So run harder so that you can catch up to it. And really now as an author who is writing a story and all of these character arcs only exist in my mind and I can write them down and still weep over there tragedies and rejoice with them in happy moments and i know what's going to happen and yet i can be writing and they will surprise the crap out of me and to think of like what happens when we think of god that way instead of as someone who's dictated a scientific textbook Mm -hmm. which we're not no but in someone who's like really invested in your character arc Mm -hmm. like i love that yeah so, um, uh, I, it's literally, it's a concept that I've been thinking about for like four years and I finally put it down on paper. I'm only like 10,000 ish words in, but that's a lot. I, okay. This is my only, like, it's not even a challenge, but it's an invitation. Maybe it's a challenge. Like, does it help you to describe it as something that only exists in your head? Um, I think it exists well, I, I, I don't know if it helps it to exist in my head. I think it exists in my whole person. Mm-hmm. Like, I, and I, um, I feel these characters very hard. Mm-hmm. They're um, essentially in the world that I'm creating, there's people have the option to forget their pre forget their life and mm-hmm. start over. Wow. And um, there's a scene of this young boy who's like 15 years old and he knows that this woman across from him is his mom and he goes to the same place every Sunday because he knows she'll be there in hopes that she recognizes him Mm -hmm. and he knows she's his mom and she doesn't know that that's her son and I'm writing out this interaction that they have and I'm sitting in my bed and I'm weeping absolutely weeping and Noah comes in and he's like, are you okay? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, what's going on? And um, like, just like the reality of this, 
the power that story holds over us. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think we need to remember like that, um, like fiction is important and that story is important. Um, uh, and yeah. So, yeah, I, I only ask you that because, you know, like I've heard Elizabeth Gilbert say something like, you know, yes, she creates these stories and not, but, but, and, and they also exist out here mm-hmm. and they come and meet you. And Big she magic. has this, I, I can't, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I, I can't remember what particular, I, I read the book, mm-hmm. but now I can't remember the author, but this one of her contemporary and, and Patchett. Yep. And um, they had written the same book yeah. well, or the same concept. Well, he, here was how I remember the story is that Elizabeth Gilbert says it, tells the story, like she had this idea for this, it's set in Brazil and it's, but she never got around to writing it, you right. know, and then, and then Anne Patchett, Anne Patchett wrote it, wrote it. And, and she did, she, um, was big, that, is that, yeah, Big yeah. Magic is one of my, is one of my Holy Grail books yeah. that I listen to, um, probably once a year because one, I think Elizabeth Gilbert is an excellent narrator. Um, and well, and I, I'm an audiobook person. Yeah. I don't read very fast. And so, um, and with kids, like just books, like I want to intake books, <laughs> but audiobooks is the way I have to do it. Yeah. And, um, but it's my, uh, when I need a good kick in the butt mm-hmm. kind of book, but big, magic, big yeah. magic is my, so that's where she tells that story. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And she, um, but she talks about, yeah, she, she actually began the writing process okay, okay. and the. And the research. Yeah. And then ended up shelving it for a yeah. couple of years because she and her then husband were trying to figure out his green card situation. Yeah. Yep. And then Ann Patchett wrote the book. Yeah. yeah. So like. like Stuff like that is it, incredible. Yeah. And like because story is so powerful. And I tend to want to believe that that is how it works. That yes, you are creating these uh, these uh, these characters and you are creating the story. Mm-hmm. And somehow it also exists outside of you and yes. comes to you and like a muse. I like that as a writer in part because I like the idea of cooperating with the universe on mm-hmm. something, something generative, you know, that it is. And it does take my creativity and I do make choices. It feels yes. very divine human for me, you know, 100%. like the, the interaction between and like who, who initiates, who mm-hmm. on, on one level it's mystery. I don't yeah. care really. Yeah. I just want to be in that game. Yeah. Yeah. When people are like, well, is this a chicken or egg situation? I'm like, well, both are delicious. So who cares? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like, like. Perfect. Allie, this was delightful. This um, was. I hope you had as much fun as I did because I could stay here till 8 p.m. and talk. You are so interesting and fun and like oh my gosh so many fast you are the duck with the eagle mask you are more than one thing more than two things more than three things and i i just this was so fun thank you thank you for the invitation this was honestly just it was like affirming and and Mm. kind and like one of those things that i just needed that day that you asked me to come on so i'm so glad i mean i someone um recently they're like, hey, I'm writing this book. Would you consider having me on? I'm like, yeah. And I know this person. And and they're like, yeah, someone, so-and-so said you're a great host or whatever. I'm like, well, here's my secret. And this is. I go, I only I only talk to people I want to. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Legit. Really true. Like, be interested in your content. Yeah. And so, and I think 
the more, and I got, I mean, of course I said this, maybe, I don't even know if I said this in the beginning or not, but I will say it in my intro. I know of you, I knew of you, um, but the more I read your tweets and stuff, I'm like, oh, I want to get to know her. <laughs> so that's why I reached out and I'm so glad you said yes. Yeah, I'm, so, yeah. I'm super honored. It's been a ton of fun. Yay. Okay, folks, I will put this on the show notes, but if you are in and around the Twin Cities, House of Comedy at the Mall of America, March 22nd. You're headlining. I'm a feature. You're featuring mm-hmm. March 24th. Is Amateur Hour. Is and, Amateur Hour. But it's like a it's a showcase, so it's going to be fun. So uh, it is, have, is that up on the like the fourth level? Up with on the, the fourth level. Um, Rick Bronson's House of Comedy. Okay. Yeah. And it's, it's a, you can get food, drinks, food the whole and deal. drinks and waiters come to your table and give you more in the middle of it fun okay yep. everybody get into it <laughs> thanks Allie this thanks, was Steve. so great hey friends thanks so much for listening to this good word if you love this podcast there's three ways that you can support my work one is by jumping on patreon patreon.com slash this good word you can become a patron at various levels and get lots of good free stuff including free tickets to any live events that i do signed books and other stuff the second way is to share your favorite episodes via twitter and facebook uh, email however it is that you share content let some friends know that you love it And then third is to go on iTunes and leave a rating or a review. So thanks so much, my friends. We are dust and breath. We are limited and limitless. We are human and holy, and we are in it together.